Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Creasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And hello, and once again, this is Coach Chuck Creasy, and it's another week of American Tennis. And thanks for tuning in. And folks, we have got a great program for you today. And before I introduce Our guest today, I want to give you a little bit of background. Now, again, as I always tell you, this is, well, first of all, this year number six, so I've been telling you over five, oh, golly, 300 times, 250 to 300 times, folks, American Tennis, you're part of it, I'm part of it, you need to stand up, speak out, say what needs to be said, listen to other people. And uh, we will always address issues, not people on this show, and nobody can find fault. But we need you to stand up, speak out. We, in the past weeks, have been addressing the sleeping giants in American tennis. Do we need help right now? Well, you know what? We don't need help from outside organizations. We don't need even help from our centralized bureaucracies. We need to help each other out, and each one of us need to jump in and do what we need to do. And, and again, I, I, it blows my mind how people will sit around and criticize. And look, I'll be the first one to tell you I've not always had peaches and cream things to say about the USTA or the ITA or the ITF or these group of, groups and organizations made up with good people but bureaucracies Folks, we cannot wait around for bureaucracies or organizations to do for us what we need to be doing for ourselves. And we have the greatest country in the world. We have the greatest resources in the world. We have the greatest coaches in the world. And we have freedom, freedom to innovate, to do what we want to do, to stand up, to speak out, say what we want to say, and why. I mean, it blows my mind as I talk to people Look, I know everybody out there is not that lethargic and not that uh, daggone with strain to where they don't 
have beliefs and issues about stuff, but by why is everybody driving between 55 and 63 miles an hour here uh, with, with what you're doing? We need each, each one of you to wake up, stand up, speak out, stay at, address issues, not people, stay professional. Nobody can find fault. Hey, you can slam all these organizations all you want. Just don't slam people. And we can stand up and speak out. Folks, this is my fifth year. I'm Coach Chuck Creasy, but also we have J.P. Weber's We Coach Tennis program. Hey, go to that website. It's one of the best out there. Golly, I think he's got over three or 4,000 coaches on there, and you can find out what the cutting edge is right now, what's going on there. Also, Randy Blumendahl, his Coach's Corner program is every Sunday evening. What a great program he had last week. And he was talking about simple things as a coach looks at them, why we're not developing champions, what we need to do there. But every week also, Coach John Denise will be talking about, talking about he has mentors on there, four mentors for each one of you on Thursday afternoons on um, Thursday at 5.30 Eastern time. And uh, you can go to John Denise's uh, Tennis Mentors. He has a great Alan Fox on there, John Murray, and, and – uh, Golly, let's see. Oh, I don't want to drop the ball on this, but uh, off the top of my head, uh, look, John Denise done a great program for the last four or five years. But thanks to all of you for listening, and I want to just sort of give a heads up what we're going to be talking about today, introduce our guest, and then I've got to go quick commercial, but let's get on with it because I want to, uh, we've got a, a big show today. Look. Five sleeping giants in American tennis. We've talked about them before, and each week we're covering one of them. High school tennis, a huge sleeping giant. We have the infrastructure. We have it as a sport. We have the people. We have the coaches. We have the facilities in each community, each town around our country. And until they say tennis is not a viable educational activity or sport, we're going to have high school tennis. So why is it so amoebic? Why has it been neutered so badly? It's awful that we don't use this as a great, great training vehicle for our kids. Well, I just ask you a real quick question, ponder on this. Is there any other sport where a college coach does not go see the high school event? Come on, if I'm a college football coach, I go see the high school football game. If I'm a high college basketball coach, I go see the high school basketball game. If I'm a track and field coach, I'll go see the I might go to some AAUs, but I still go to the high school stuff. Every sport we have recruiting happen at the high schools. In tennis, no. The best players usually do not play high school tennis. There's a reason for that. We've been through that. It is a sleeping giant. But it is format problem, folks. High school coaches out there and parents and everyone, it is a format problem. Number one, tournament tennis, you grow exponentially, fall arithmetically. In other words, you, when you win a tournament, you can pop out as a number five player on a high school team, win a tournament, a 32-draw tournament, and you're off and running. You have, you have, you have earned your right to be one of the top dogs. And on, on the other side, when you lose, you can lose first round, first round, first round. 
But if you hang around and just keep working and get better, then guess what? When you win that tournament, you didn't go backwards. So you fall arithmetically, grow geometrically. In dual match tennis, you grow arithmetically. You might go 10 matches in a row, and then you might, your record might be 10 and 3, which is really, really good. But you might even play in number one, and people ask you why you lost those three matches. And if they were a key match, you fall geometrically. So we need to think about the format there. We need to get a – we got to dump no ad. No ad is a gimmick. Look, these abbreviated scores are gimmicks. They're gimmicks. We need to dump them, folks. And we need to maybe have an asterisk when somebody wins something because it's really not a real tennis match. But we need to dump those. I'm going to get in that more in the future, but Small Town Tennis USA, folks, we've got a trial plan ready to go. If you're a high school coach and you want to have uh, know more about Small Town Tennis USA, if you're in small town America, understand that do you know that we have 73% of our professional athletes come from towns less than 50,000 people, less than 50,000 people. Small Town Tennis USA, why haven't we done some more in small towns? Because USTA, you're putting all your money into the doggone inner cities only. You need Small Town Tennis USA. Look, I've got the formula. You guys, can't, I've got the formula. I know exactly how to do it. I've got Small Town Tennis USA program, and with my the, the leader of our program, I've already talked to him, the great – the late high school coach Dan Vonk, who's retired from coach high school coaching. He knows how to do it. He knows how to make it happen. Small Town Tennis USA, folks. Number three, Sleeping Giant, age 22 to 35. Well, we ought to say 18 to 35. Because really, after high school, only the college players, they look, you got club tennis? Nah, that's bump and giggle tennis. It's social. It's really not competitive tennis. There's nothing competitive after college for sure, but after high schools, until age 35, those age groups, that is a sleeping giant for sure. Whoa, here's our deal. Today we're going to talk about the 55 and overs, our senior citizens. And gadzooks, holy guacamole, my golly gee willikers, unbelievable. Everybody's worried about this pickleball, pickleball. I am sorry, I'm not, well, I guess I am making fun, but I do not see where pickleball, I don't care how many courts they make or whatever, look, the hula hoop was a fad too, and, you know, you can, the yo-yo was, was a fad, actually, I got my Duncan yo-yo out the other day, I was a Duncan yo-yo champion, if you can believe that, but I got my yo-yo out, but folks, tennis has been around 148 years. Let's let's uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk today, and our guest is gonna talk a lot about how to not worry about pickleball. We're, we've got something better for you. Number five. Last week we had Miss Susie Wimberly on, and she talked about. Listen, you got it's up to you. You got to do the work. You have got to do the work, and. Uh, all of us have to do the work. You know, after she gave her talk last week, I, I call, gave her a call. I said, Susie, let's run a, a Somerville 
city championship, men's, women's, everybody in one draw and both. Let's see who the champion of Somerville is, men and women's. Folks, don't wait around for USTA to set up your tournament. Okay, don't, don't do that. They don't own tennis. ITA doesn't own college tennis. These are support groups. These are educational groups. These are service organizations. You've got to stand up, speak out, do what you need to do. But, but we, we, uh, we just have to get a mentality that's right for that. Now, I'm going to introduce my guest here. i got to go to a quick commercial. But, um, folks, that, that was sort of a quick intro. Coach Ed Crass, Eddie Crass, Eddie Crass, my, um, taught my guest today I put here, American Tennis, Eddie Crass awakens a sleeping giant of tennis. You ready to awaken that sleeping giant, Eddie Crass? Oh, yeah. Let's wake him up. <laughs> Great to hear you, I hope, hope. Hey, it's good to hear you. You're coming in loud and clear. I got to go to commercial. I got a few other things to say, but uh, let's let's get to you in a second. If you can just hold on the line a second, then I'll give you your proper intro, but we got to go to a quick commercial. This is Coach Chuck Creasy. We'll be right back. This is Coach Chuck Creasy, and folks, do you know that my tennis book, Coaching Tennis, is now one of the best all-time sellers, but it's also one of the top coaching books that is out there. It's all over the world, and it's called Coaching Tennis. Folks, if you're a high school coach, a parent, a youngster that just wants to learn a whole lot more about tennis, go to Amazon, and you can order Coaching Tennis. Folks, I've also got some other books and a few tapes and things if you'd like to see those. Folks, by the way, also... Look for my coaching certification class that I will be running in Atlanta, probably Marietta, Georgia, over Christmas time. And look for that and sign up for that as well. Go to chuckcreasy.net. That's www.chuckcreasy.net. And um, there is a saying that one lion 
with a herd of sheep can win a battle, but one sheep with a herd of lions do nothing except chaos. Ed Crass, and I don't, I don't want to say, you know, call you just a lion, but you definitely have been a leader in innovation in tennis for many, many years. Ed Crass was, you know, he's been able to work with people like Harry Hopman, Rick Macy. He's been an assistant coach a couple times. I had the great, great pleasure of Coach Ed Crass helping me as we coached two top five teams back in the, in the 80s. And Coach Ed went to Harvard. He coached a Harvard women's team. But the best thing after that has been where he's doing his best job. He's put tapes out there. He's put articles out there, created um, – so many things, different camps, but one of the greatest innovations, I think, Eddie, is your innovation with one-on-one tennis. And talking about somebody who's getting it done, who has never been afraid or shy to put his actions where his mouth was and, and to follow up on things, Eddie Crass. And I, I would want, folks, this is a guy that really makes things happen. So, Eddie Crafts, uh, I'd like to welcome you first. Is there anything else you'd like to say about uh, tennis in America? And then we want to hit on this, uh, your one-on-one tennis as much as you can. Yeah, great. Oh, thanks for having me on the show, Chuck. Uh, I've always been a big fan of yours, and uh, it's just great uh, with all the great passion you got to keep American tennis as strong as it can get and unify American tennis with the right individuals, you know, doing the job. What I've done is basically uh, taken the half-court serve and volley uh, drill and made it into a really great game called one-on-one doubles. And it's a tournament format, and it's nice to see that the game is starting to spread. And, and uh, you know, uh, we have a uh, – there's a fella out in North, Northern Ca- California. Brent Abel uh, is running a tournament August 19th with 16 of the top 55 and over players. And um, hallelujah, the game's spreading out to Northern California. Um, you know, we, we do, um, you know, we, we're excited about growing this game of half-court serving volley singles. Well, I know that it evolved uh, a lot from double skills that were eroding, and it's probably the best thing a coach can do as far as teaching his players double skills about how to hit through people and how to work on vertical tennis. I call it vertical tennis. Everybody plays horizontal tennis side to side, but vertical tennis um, is uh, what Roy Emerson, you know, the greatest doubles player in history is Roy Emerson. People might argue maybe it was McEnroe, but Roy Emerson still 14 grand slams. I think 13 of them were in, uh, in doubles, but he talked about vertical tennis and we actually have always done Emerson t- training, which where you make the court, you play on half of the court, and it makes the players play high and low, and they learn how to use touch shots and different things. Could you elaborate on that just a little bit and explain yeah, that? It's, it's not. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, I learned that I learned it, the game from you when I was coaching at Clemson. Uh, we did it as a, a practice set of. Uh, challenge match format if, as you recall there was no line down the middle so they um you know they were making some sketchy calls but that didn't matter uh and then you know i i recognize how important it is to uh to enforce a first volley a half volley just giving players 
a chance to work on those mid-court skills and moving past the shame, playing that mid-court game. Boy, oh, boy, it's it's exciting when uh, players can learn how to get this. It's almost a lost art, Chuck. Uh, What I see is a lot of our juniors um, are teaching pros or just still teaching the forehand and the backhand. Uh, Not even the backhand, by the way. We're running around that backhand, and we're hitting just big forehands. I mean, it's going to be hard to create that all-court player when we can't even hit an inside backhand, yet alone. That's a whole other topic. Well, it is. And the skill set, if anybody's trying to work with your juniors, if you'll make the court more narrow. Uh, and, you know, the USTA sort of tried to get this going with their red, orange, green stuff. But the way they introduced it, they didn't quite understand that you do advanced skills with a more narrow court. If you make the court narrow, you pull, you have to play up and back. You have to play high and low. You have to do short and deep. But all of those things that our kids just do not know, and we pretty much put out half-baked tennis players because of that. Would you agree? I would agree. Oh, I would agree. There's, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, and you know, it'd be nice if if we can get more of uh, the all-court game going. Um, you know, the one-on-one doubles has just been a really great game for the uh, senior players and the adults. But I really feel that it could move into the junior ranks since the format is perfected for them. Well, I want to talk about the senior ranks because, you know, they say tennis is a game for everybody. Not so. Uh, I've just given you, it's not for the high schools. It's a, it's not a sport for a high school. It's more like a game and after school activity, as they're saying, it's, it's really not competitive or you would have, more kids playing high school tennis. Now, I want to be fair in saying that places like Texas have a tremendous high school program. Florida used to have the best high school players in the country. Wow, we we would never miss a chance to go see a Florida high school event. But for the most part, other schools put together this. uh, Unfortunately, they're following some of the forced upon us, our ITA should, used to be the ITCA Coaches Association, but that group is forcing NOAD down the throats of everybody. It was never voted on. It never had a consensus with a vote, and they pushed on. Well, now high school coaches are even even doing that. But the point is, is that high school tennis, small town tennis, small towns are overlooked. Age group 22 to 25, but what I'd like to talk to you about is the 55 or the senior age group. Now, for years, seniors would play doubles in, in women's doubles leagues and women's doubles leagues for adults, or they're going gangbusters pretty much for, I'd say, up until old age, but uh, up till <laughs> I shouldn't say old. I don't want to get myself pinned in there, Eddie about what old age really is but but we have have a lot of doubles still (laughs) we still have a lot of doubles going but um what this pickleball is caught on basically because people don't have to move and you now are promoting one-on-one doubles where you do not have to serve and volley correct yeah just starting that right just starting that out for for some of the senior groups and you know they can get rewarded by you know uh putting a volley away, getting a two-pointer. 
They kind of come in well, on their own pretty... terms. It's nice. It's a nice way to play. Okay, that's that's pretty interesting. So, you know, if people who've played tennis their whole life, they go to this pickleball and they have immediate success. Uh, I've always argued easy to pick up is easy to put down. Hard to pick up is hard to put down. Tennis is still the Cadillac of all racket sports. I mean, come on, badminton has never taken off. And I'll, I'll tell you why there. It's the scoring system of badminton. It's keeping score by one. Ping pong, keeping score by ones. Racquetball, oh, boy, I just had a conversation today why racquetball bit the dust. Racquetball bit the dust basically because they changed the technology. They went to a fast, fast ball and a big, big racket and uh, made it easier, but they made it worse. And we pretty much are doing the same thing with tennis. But, um, okay, so let's say some of those pickleballers out there listening want to talk to you about, can they just, they ought to start just practicing half-court serving volleys and half-court uh, games, correct? And then, exactly. Then yeah. they can yeah, actually, make, yeah, and then, what about getting some tournaments going? Absolutely. Yeah, anybody that would like to get some tournaments going, they should contact me, and I can help them get the tournament started at their at their club or their facility. How do they get a hold of you, Ed? What's your, do you have a website? Uh, they can, or? They, yep, well, we've got a website they can check out, which is oneononedoubles.com, and we'll spell it all out, O-N-E-O-N-O-N-E-D-O-U-B-L-E-S.com, and you get to see all the some of the TV shows that just happened, and uh, it kind of talks a little bit about the game, and there's a lot of good stuff on there and different events that are happening. However, uh, they can call me um, at 813-478-3384, and we can talk okay, about starting that. the tournament. Ed, let's repeat that number. That number is 813-478-3384. Okay. And we can talk about we can talk about structuring some one on one doubles for their uh town, their small town. Well, what's uh, what's facility. your what's your email? What's your email, Ed? And the email we'll keep it simple. It's one on one doubles at yahoo dot com. Okay, one slash on slash one uh, spelled out, correct? Yes. Uh spell it out but no slashes uh for this website um or the email. It's one on one doubles all together. Okay. One-on-one okay. doubles at Yahoo, at Yahoo. Okay. That's great. Now, here's the thing. Um, you, if they want you involved, you can put on a whole program. You've had bands at different places, and you, you've had a lot of different people show up. I mean, it's, it's true you've been even at professional tournaments, and you've gotten some of the pros to – play the one-on-one doubles, correct? In college events yeah, too, right? That's correct. Yeah, so we have, you know, different events for different uh different tennis groups from the you know, from the uh seniors to the pros to the, you know, so we can really work with any group. And well, the music is always a nice addition, right? The good music is an addition. Right. And 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 it, I've been to a couple of your events or they're really fun. They're re- really, really fun. But, folks, again, 
this is Coach Ed Crass's project, one-on-one doubles. But but again, go out with your with your partner and play some one-on-one half-court tennis, cross-court to cross-court. So explain. You've got to play cross-court to cross-court. You use the alleys, correct, too? And, yep, the alleys uh, are, are in play, and, and you can draw a nice line down the middle if, they got a, if they're on a hard court, uh, Coach. What they can do is put a nice piece of chalk down the middle. Uh, so that, that, that gives you the, the boundary, the new boundary for the game. And if they're on clay, they can just, uh, you know, they can use their uh, – their, their line sweeper to make a nice middle or a ch- in our tournaments we do the chalk down the middle or a real line down the middle. Right, right, and that and that makes sense. And and but again, as a coach, I look at it and I say, and, and Ed, it's something that I still do with all my players. I make them play half court, serve and volley tennis uh, at college. I they serve and volley for doubles each time, um, and. I have them do that, but the skill set for taking a half volley, closing on a floating ball, they're just their ability to take balls out of the air. And, and that's it's something that, that really, really needs to be taught, but it's a heck of a lot of fun. And, and any of you out there, get your kids playing this as soon as possible. Uh, Coach Ed, you've given out everything out. We're going to get – all of your information again, you know, at the end of the program. But I, I want to uh, try to get you to talk in a broader sense. Now, you've been in tennis since, let me see, 1972. Uh, you probably hit your first balls about 1971. You started teaching tennis about 1979 or 80. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. You were a head coach at University of South Florida. No, excuse me, Central Florida. You were a head coach yeah. at um, uh, Harvard, assistant coach. You've got a lot of experience in it and a lot of reps. Now, I'm okay, we've got this situation in the United States where we only have 26,000 tournament juniors. Okay, now listen to me here. 26,000 in the whole United States of America, that would equate to about 500 per state if we had 50 states divided. That's not good. We probably have 26,000 soccer players in the Atlanta area or the Miami area or the Los Angeles area or the Dallas area. But in the whole United States, we have only 26,000 junior players right now. And I've already talked about the void we have at the middle age group when somebody gets out of college. You're doing a lot to resurrect the the senior citizen tennis or people who don't want to run all over a singles court anymore. You're in charge. Let me say you're you're in charge for one year and you have executive powers, executive orders, you can do anything you want. But you're in charge of United States tennis. Off the top of your head, can you tell me what you would do to invigorate our sport? Well, I tell you what, it, it would be. Uh, I think I I would really let a lot of people learn how to play this game. I think uh, teaching players how to play one on one doubles 
would be a great way to do it in a tennis tournament format for all all levels, starting from the juniors through to the college. I just think that the the excitement of learning all the skills right off the bat would be a much easier way of, of learning the game and 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 staying with the game rather than going through the difficulty of having to learn a difficult full court game of singles. So, you know, you have you can still do all the progressions that the USTA did with those little balls, uh, with the green ball and the red ball. But I would do a lot more of it with the one-on-one doubles game and let these kids learn how to play and, um, you know, put it on television, for heaven's sakes, so people can watch the competitions and and, and really grow this as a third game of tennis uh, and uh, and really, you know, showcase how great this game really can be for tennis. And I think it would not only uh, grow the enjoyment of the game, but it would develop a lot more championship players like we're really looking for. Well, look, look here now, just a second. In, in junior tennis, 12s, 14s, and almost 16s, we pretty much in those age groups, 12s and 14s, dominate the world. We, we do a great job at getting our kids off and running, but there's always a hole in people's games. In other words, uh, oh, gosh, Coach, Ed, we have the best group of 20-year-olds now I think one of the best we've ever seen. And if these guys don't pan out, I'm you're going to hear about it on this program, but we had the Tiafos and the Tommy Pauls and the, all these kids, the Taylor Fritzes and these. These kids were really one of the best groups of juniors I've seen since Courier and Sampras and Wheaton and Agassiz and who else? I think Chang was in that group. My all these, it's the best group I've seen since then. And, but our kids don't make that next jump. Now, it's either, it's either physical, mental, or emotional. Either they don't have the game, the technical skills, or they don't have the emotional skills. Maybe they haven't trained hard enough. It might be a combination of all three. But why, to answer your question, why are we not teaching the skills that one-on-one doubles teaches. Why aren't we teaching the volleying, the half volleys, the improvisation, improvising? Yeah, it comes. Why? It's 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 profits over people, uh, coach. It's profits over people. Does that make sense? So what's this has been the big problem for years, right? So it's profits over people, and you go out and you get your tennis lesson. If if someone's trying to teach you that mid-court volley and it's too uncomfortable, guess what? Uh, many of the kids are going to say, Mom, Dad, i got to go to another pro. This is not a good lesson because they're put in an uncomfortable position. So I would say we're very lucky to get 1% of our tennis teaching pros to put kids in an uncomfortable position. We need, we need uh, 50% of our teaching pros out there to do this and put because one-on-one doubles is an uncomfortable game. People in tennis want to be comfortable. So what they're doing is they're appeasing them and they're wanting to make the profits, bring them back for the lesson, give them the forehand, make it good, feel good. Give them a backhand, make it feel good. Forget about one-on-one doubles. It's too damn tough. Well, I mean, I think exactly I feel exactly the same. I have a uh, sign in my office. It says, comfort bears no fruit. 
and and it never does. Uh, our kids. There's another one. People are usually down on what they're not up to. When our kids can't do something, they usually shy away from it instead of attacking. And I'm not saying everybody, but but it usually happens. One on your one-on-one doubles forces kids to learn how to do the things that are uncomfortable. And uh, and and it's it's just a great game. And I I I like it because it absolutely is a game. Hey, look. At my age, I can still play one-on-one doubles. The full court, what I, I dislike the high-tech rackets because maybe with the old equipment I could run down balls on a – there's still some symmetry between the ball striking and movement, but there's no symmetry with high-tech rackets. Ball striking has overcome movement, but one-on-one doubles, you know, it, help, it helps you to do that. It helps you to do that. What else uh, would you do if you were in charge? Um, do you see any other things I'm missing there? High school tennis, you would say it's amoebic, right? It's not doing too well. And then small town tennis, that age group, we're losing people yes. pickleball in the old age. Where else? Yes. What else do you see? There? Well, yeah, I, I think it would be nice if we can give some of the, the juniors uh, – the transition, I think, uh, into college, make that pathway a little greater. The, the also from college into pro. I know Brian Boland uh, was working hard on that, and then unfortunately he wasn't able to stay long enough. But good for him that he landed the job in Baylor. I know his main job was to try to uh, try to get these college kids all out there learning how to play as a team. Now that's kind of a new concept for a lot of these kids that are on the tour because it's all it's all me, 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 and there's no team concept. I don't know if you had heard about that, but that would be a great thing to continue with American tennis to get it, to get it stronger and, and bigger. Right. To try, I've got that as number six now when I'm going to talk about American tennis. But the transitioning from junior tennis to pros, now first of all, the transitioning from junior tennis to pros right now, we we have really we have 70 percent, 70 to 80 percent of all of college tennis. If you take all the colleges, are international players. Now with that, I understand international players saying, "Wow, let's go to college. I can get a college scholarship." Are you kidding me? That's worth 25 or 50 thousand dollars a year. For me, get to put, and I get to continue tennis. We, I get a coach, I get equipment, I get training. Now, we've got to figure a way to transition our American players into colleges again and get them on teams. You don't do it by forbidding or penalizing people that have foreign players or international players. I believe the way you could do that is by rewarding coaches this would be another usta you guys way to spend your money now rumor is you got a lot of money programs but how about let's reward the top american coaches if they have 80 percent of their players from the usa how about giving them a big old stipend or a bonus if you did that you betcha other coaches would say hey let's Recruit, am I going to read John, Johnny Smith from Oregon here, or am I going to 
re recruit this other young man from wherever country, you know, Europe or somewhere. Um, wow. I think coach would say, that's let's go with Johnny thing. Smith. So let's do that. Also, USTA, we need an all-American, all-American team you guys could put together. And I look, USTA, you guys are do not you are not USTA. I I you are not an international group. You are not USTA, you're the United States of America Service Organization, USTA, United States team. <laughs> United States service to others and to our kids. So why don't you come up with some innovating programs and reward the colleges that recruit primarily American players? That's no slam against those that recruit predominantly international players, but I think that's a good thing, Coach Ed. So transitioning more American kids to college and then coming out of college, yes, we need the people, um, you know, like you know that that you re- referred to. I'm I'm trying. Stephen Armitage was doing a fantastic job with that, and then I think Brian Boland was doing the job with that. But we need the transitioning to the pros. There's lots of ways to do that, but we need some of that money that USTA has to go to our entry level professionals. And uh, there could be they ought to have to compete for it. They ought to have to compete for it once they get out of college. We need prize money tournaments and let them compete for grant money and things like that. Let's make it a capitalist yeah. way of doing yeah. things. So exactly, and I think they'll be open. I think there's a few people on board there with the USTA who would be very open to uh, listening to these great ideas you have, Coach. And uh, it just has to be presented at the right time and right place. Well, Ed, I found out that it's it's really frustrating because uh, unless you are, you know, the key to power is empowering people under you. The key to power is opening it up for other ideas. And, and uh, I'm not trying to do a Chick-fil-A commercial here, but Chick-fil-A <laughs> is kicking rear end. When you look at what is going on with other these other hamburger joints or the other fast foods, they're killing it, and they're killing it with customer service and service is what they do. But I, we had a fellow come and give a talk about the Chick-fil-A method and what they're doing, and it was they have an acronym, SERV, S-E-R-V-E, and the first one is really the S stands for search for answers everywhere. They said they got some of their best, best ideas out of young people who are 17 or 18 years old. So they empower people, serve. E is empower, I think, empower other people. And that's what you do when you want to grow a great organization. The tragedy is most of our bureaucracies, they basically use coercive Leadership, In other words, they force you into things. The worst thing the USTA could have ever done is force people into this red, orange, green. You want something to fail, force them to use it. It's not this right. United States of America. This is not Russia. This is not socialist European country. This United States of America. Freedom! Freedom oh, is, our, is our most yeah, important thing. Coach, do we know what Go the, ahead, uh, the, the, the do we know what the junior tennis player numbers were 
before this program started in 2006. Uh, do we know what the participation numbers were? We heard uh, on this it's show about that there's the same, 20- Ed. Now, what's happened, they, when they put the red-orange-green out there, they, they put these very inflated, oh, we got all these people to try tennis. Well, you and I know, I heard a talk by Arthur Ashe many, many years ago, and you'd think I didn't hang on every word he said. But right. the question was, when, what do we need to improve to get people more play, people playing? He said, level two. He said, you get people to try the sport, but you've got to get people to say, hey, I want to be good at this sport. And you become when you become a tennis player instead of just somebody who tries tennis, you know, very much uh, tennis is like, and I use this bowling, everybody's went gone bowling. There are very few bowlers. Well, God bless you if you're a great bowler because it's hard. But uh, we don't, well, we want tennis to be more than an after school activity or some type of run of a mill, try it now, drop it later type sport. And to answer your question, the red, orange, green got a lot of people to play it and try it once, but we're not making tennis players. That's the whole trick. And I, I'm going to talk in a few minutes about how you do that. But, Coach, I'm going to give you a couple more minutes here, and i got to go to commercial. Um, now, let me ask you, that's great ideas, great stuff. What can you add to what we're saying um, any other any other great ideas? The transitioning from high school to college, from college to pros. What else? Yeah, what else I, can I, I say? I, How many I, years? I like this level ahead, based. Uh, tur- I like this level based tournament play that the Universal Tennis Rating and their organization is coming up with. Uh, I think that that could keep people in the game a lot longer. It could keep people growing in a competitive way. I know you're, you've always been a big proponent and supporter of you know, controlling your own level, playing people of your own level, and then growing as a player because of that. And then you go on and you play players that might be a half a level stronger. Uh, this UTR, if it's spread out uh, the way they plan it uh, across America, this could really help American tennis in a huge way. Uh, I, know, I know a lot of people are very high on it, like Randy Blumenthal and, and down in Sarasota. And he's got like 12 events planned, I think, this year with with um, with the academy he's working at. Uh, um, what's the name of that great academy again, Coach? Uh, it's in Bradenton. I believe it's uh, Inspiration. Inspiration. The Inspiration yeah, Academy. Yeah. I, I heard they got 12 events. I mean, can you imagine all these different academies having all these events where you have level-based tennis? Right. Right. Now, let me, let me throw – I'm not trying to throw a, a wrench into the works there, but – the best thing about UTR was freedom, too. Tragically, as of late, you, you, the UTR, getting their eyes are getting too big for their stomachs, and you know they're, they're going to miss the boat here, but they're starting to charge all the tournament directors to run UTR events. Uh, and the point is how much and what – when they become a profit-making organization – that's that's our mistake with 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 uh, Dagon USTA. That's our mistake with the ITA. The ITA. We have 19 board members in the ITA. Only six coaches. Are you kidding me? Six coaches. Yeah. What was the Intercollegiate Tennis Coaches Association? Now is run by marketeers. 
It's money, money, money. And the UTR, if you go that way, guys, listen, UTR, I'm calling you out right now. If you go toward profiteering, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot, and you know what? You, you're not going to get as big a piece of pie as you thought. You're going to get pie in the face. When you try to take the big piece of the pie, whether it's USTA, ITA, UTR, ITF, whenever you start thinking money first, you're going to get pie in the face. And that's what I can tell you. So, but at UTR, the concept, fantastic. It brings people together like a community co-op of people coming together to play. Ed, the worst thing we could have ever done is uh, segregate kids by age 10 and under, 12 and under, 14 and under, 16 and under. It just is uh, jumping through too many hoops. You know, that right. becomes a hula hoop. Right. <laughs> it yeah, becomes exactly. a hula hoop. Yes, yeah, so and I know tennis has to be tennis has to be monetized, I guess, in some way. I don't think it's going to be free, uh, but I think you know uh, maybe they're onto something if they can keep the cost down low to run tournaments. Uh, I know they have their own ranking yeah. system. So hey, it's our first new. Uh, I guess it's our first new entity. I know we're not we're big fans of this, that, and the other, but you know, hey, it looks like it's we could give it a shot. You know. Well, the key is you make the money as a result of good work done not as a result up front, and you just gotta you got to solve that one. Well, Coach, uh, loved having you on. Uh, you can either stay on listening to the program. We've got about 10 more minutes here. i got to do a quick commercial. But Coach Ed Crass, again, give your phone number if you can there. What is it, area code 813? What is it? Uh, 478-3384, and I'd love to hear from anybody out there, and we, we could always brainstorm and Coach Creasy, keep up the great work. I uh, love you lots, and uh, congrats on all you're doing. Okay, one-on-one-doubles.com? Yes, correct. And uh, one-on-one-doubles at Gmail? Uh, one-on-one-doubles at Yahoo. At Yahoo. Okay, 813, say the phone number again for people that can write it down. 813, yep. what is it, Coach? Yep, 478. Four seven eight, and then it's three three eight four. Three three eight four. Okay, folks, and Coach Ed Crest, thank you. God bless you. Keep up the good work, Coach. Thank you so much, Coach Creasy. You too. Keep up the great work yourself. All right, and folks, that's Coach Ed Crest. And if there is a better human being out there who loves tennis, and and really. You need to be energized. You be around this guy. You bring him to your club or whatever, a coach, and folks, he'll he'll get it going. And all you older people, try that one-on-one doubles. We will be right back. This coach, Chuck Creasy. This coach, Chuck Creasy, and folks, I am the only source of momentum control tactics right now in the sport of tennis. Everyone talks about controlling the momentum or the momentum has switched in each and every sport. Since 1979, I have worked on tactical, technical, and mental ways of developing your ability to control momentum. Please get a hold of me and look at chuckcreasy.net, K-R-I-E-S-E, Chuck. Creasy.net, 
and I can teach you, your club, about momentum control in tennis or your business or any sport. And welcome back to American Tennis. And, um, you know, really there are people out there that are just extremely unique. And uh, tennis, I, I, Ed Crafts has been doing this for a long, long time and uh, just deserves a lot of credit for his continued work with uh, players. But also the one-on-one tennis is you want to develop those skills, um, the half-court volleys and the attacking the net and how to play vertical up and down, high and low, long and short, and to develop the touch in your game, uh, go, to, go to one-on-one doubles. I, I think that uh, – but also I just love people who have enthusiasm and, and uh, you know, they just make things happen. I've got something here I just saw. Okay, stimulation never happens through regulation. Huh. Regulation is never a stimulation. Huh. Regulation is only an aggravation for innovation. Pretty good, huh? Regulation is an irritation for those who believe in innovation. Irritation, aggravation, understimulation regulation. More than anything else in the United States of America, we need freedom. Freedom to go out and do things, to try things. And as I look back on successful people and successful things that have been done and those who are great at their sport, most of the time it wasn't a program that brought them around. Uh, programs that are well-designed and programs that are well-coached, most of the time it, it enhances your chances of doing something well because it puts you in a certain arena. In other words, I'm not saying don't go out and play USTA tournaments. I'm not telling you to not go out and play a UTR tournament or something like that. No, those uh, you've got to be in the arena. But the stimulation of uh, one's one's motivation and uh, I've got <laughs> I've got the rhymes in my head right now but the stimulation comes from a person who is uh, who does it on their own uh, the beautiful thing about tennis as a child growing up I played every conceivable team sport I think uh, but the one thing I loved about tennis was I could decide. I could decide how good I was going to be. I could decide how good my backhand was going to be, my forehand. But I pretty much knew that if I outworked other people, I had a good chance of getting good at this sport. I didn't grow up in a situation where we had a, well, I I never had a lesson. But I would go to the park and play and play and see something. I would try it and we basically, um, when you learn on your own, and this is Chapter 1 of The Talent Code by uh, Daniel Coyle, a fantastic book. Um, I don't know if that guy would ever get 
little bit of royalties of his royalty fund, but I sure I sure uh, push that book. It's fantastic, and then it talks about self-stimulation and how when somebody does something on their own and works that stuff on their own, it locks in in the myelin tissue of the brain. It wraps around the nervous nerve cell, and people learn things for good. Just being introduced to something or somebody giving you something, it it never never works for long-term. Uh, understanding or learning. Now, in the United States of America, we've always had the best. We've always been the champions. We've always been people that uh, they want a winner and they <laughs> they will not tolerate a loser, according to General Patton in the first part of the, the first part of the movie. Go to YouTube and watch the old Patton movie with George C. Scott and the introduction of how he comes out and he says about the United States of America. We were born to win, and but the biggest reason we were born to win is freedom. We have freedom to innovate. We have freedom to develop our own pathway. And all of our organizations should be preaching we want highways, freeways, expressways, where you learn your way, use everybody's knowledge around you, but you be number one in the world at being yourself. I really believe that the all of the regulation and overregulation happens for two reasons. And this has been the culprit. Number one, computers allow things to be done more easily. Right. We can add up numbers and we can put people in categories and things like that. Most of the time in the with the computer technology, what it does is we get to do things because we can do them, but we don't do them necessarily because we should do them. So we're stifling a lot of freedom and a lot of innovation with the computers. And I'll come back and tell you a quick story, but the the second thing, I call it the shoe bomber syndrome. The shoe bomber syndrome, we have one person messing up, and then all of a sudden, everybody has to suffer. Everybody has to do this. You see this all the time. And right now in college tennis, the ITA has come in and they said, oh, we have too much cheating going on. Well, I went to a meeting. We have too much cheating going on. So what they want to do is put a new rule in, a rule where there's no warning for the coach or cheat. It's automatic, no warning. Well, there's a lot of problems. It's maybe that sounds good in a boardroom to people who haven't been coaches, but that is ridiculous if they don't, if they change that rule. But there's the shoe bomber syndrome because we saw a couple people doing this. Everybody's got to do it now. Everybody's got to do it. And there's so many examples of that where we overexpound on things uh, because there's one instance that happens somewhere in the United States that always has happened somewhere, but because we can magnify it with our cell phones and we can put it out there on the Internet, we have to have a solution for this. The solution for the cheating, the ITA says, is they're doing a shoe bomber show. Oh, now we're going to go, the referees are going to crack down and there's going to be the immediate one a penalty, then dismissal, and 
the problem with that is uh, people might think, hey, that's really a good thing. But the problem is rules never keep a bad person from breaking rules. It only stimulates levels of deviance. What rules do, and too many regulations, is they impede good people's in, uh, creative skills and in, a need to, in, to for innovation. Innovation never comes from overregulation it, because there's no stimulation. There's there's no uh, nothing for in, innovation will not happen in a overly regulated society. Will you keep people from breaking rules? No. Cheaters are going to cheat. They just get more and more creative in how they do it. So what happens, the cheaters are homing in their skills. They're getting really, really, really good at it. And people who innovate are dumbing down their skills and wondering, why doesn't the USTA do something about why didn't the ITA do so? Why didn't the UTR, why didn't the ITF stand up? Well, you know why? Because they can slap a rule down or a regulation down, and then it freezes everybody. We've got to rethink this. We've got to open our sport up more for freedom. We need each and every one of you set up a tournament at your park. Set up a tournament in your neighborhood. Set up a tournament with, with a group there. Remember, nobody owns tennis. USTA does not own tennis. ITA does not own college tennis. Nobody owns tennis. Tennis is a sport that we are free to come and go, free to do as we want. I'm challenging you to be number one in the world at being yourself, not just with how you play, but be number one in the world at being yourself and how you motivate people, number one in the world at being yourself and how you put together tournaments, how you create energy in your area. Again, we want this to be the sport, everyone's sport, and the universal sport here in the United States. I don't like the word universal. I want it to be the number one sport in America. The United States of America, you were built on what? Freedom. Freedom. Freedom is first, not regulation. And those of us who are working in organizations, do what you have to do for your job and everything, but you better start thinking outside the box. We better start thinking out of the box. By Coach Ed Crass, and I'm thank, so thankful for him being on the pro, program today. Folks, I'm over. i got to go. This is Coach that you're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. We'll see you next week on American Tennis.